Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Now, are you ready? We're going to get right into the Word of God, so open your Bibles to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. We've been in 1 Peter now, and um, I've enjoyed 1 Peter immensely because there's so much there. So when we look at chapter 1, when we look at chapter 1, we see all that God has provided in this great salvation. Someone say great salvation. Now, now, so often you and I, we know we're saved, right? And, you know, for those here are saved, you, you've had an experience with God. You said, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I now watch this. Yield myself and choose to follow you all the days of my life. And everybody said, yeah, it's a beautiful moment. Um, and so for you and I, we've looked at, of course, who Paul, uh, Peter the Apostle was, um, what it is to be Apostle. We've looked at... Um, who he was talking to, those in Asia Minor, those who are going through persecution, hardships. Um, the Jewish people didn't like the believers because they were different than them. They were following a different uh, road. The Roman government didn't like them because they thought they were an offense as well. So these individuals, because of their belief, someone say belief, had some problems. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when you believe something that's contrary to someone else, not everybody treats you kindly. How many have ever experienced that? Unfortunately, we live in a world today that, you know, everybody wants you to be kind to everybody else. But if you're different than them, then they're not kind to you. I think Christianity teaches just the opposite. I think Christianity teaches us, it says, love your neighbor. And also it says, love thy enemy. I want you to understand that aspect. There's the difference in Christianity. And so those that are in Christ, Peter is letting them know that they have, you have a great, great inheritance. You have a uh, great inheritance even when you go through trials. Say, yay, amen. So we talked about this inheritance, this new birth. We talked about this mercy, great mercy, live in hope. All in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. An inheritance does not fade. Uh, it doesn't get corrupt. It's a very, very, very good thing. It won't perish. It's kept in heaven for you because God has it for you. Nobody can take it away. Nobody can. Oh, my mic just fell. Thank you so much. You know what I mean? These things happen. There we go. Is that better now? No wonder I'm hearing this. <laughs> maybe with all the years I've had mics on, maybe I should look down. Hey, it's off. But we have all these provisions that come in the salvation of Jesus Christ. Look at your neighbor and just remind them that even though you face a trial, God is with you. Just tell them, God is with you. How many of you have ever read the story of Joseph? Joseph, how many? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you haven't read the story of Joseph, go to the book of Genesis, start around chapter 38, and it goes throughout to the chapter 50. It's a beautiful story, but it's a hard story because of trials and of situations, and it shows you how one young man stood in the midst of all type of adversity. You see, even though he was under affliction, Joseph was blessed and he prospered. So I want you just to get this before we talk about what we're talking about today, because all through Scripture, you have seen individuals who have gone through some problems. Has anybody had at least one problem in your life? Just one problem. Yeah, see, we understand problems are going to come, but we do have someone greater than the problem. It's the person of Jesus Christ. Someone say amen. So when we look at Joseph, we see that he was blessed and prospered, even though he was rejected. Have you ever been rejected? He was rejected, and yet he felt blessed. He was blessed. He, was, he prospered even in the midst of being rejected by his own family. His own brothers actually wanted to kill him. Not a great bunch of group, would you think? You know, when your whole family wants to kill you? He, blessed, he was blessed and prospered while he went through false accusations with part of his wife. Doing everything right. Someone say everything right. Everything right and still going through some stuff. Someone say some stuff. 
Yeah, that's stuff. We don't want to go through the stuff when we're doing everything right because we think if I'm doing everything right, everything should go great. But the reality is Joseph still was blessed and prospered even when he went through the stuff of being falsely accused. And then, of course, he was blessed and prospered even when he was forgotten. You ever feel forgotten? I think everyone in this room one time or another just feels like, well, I've been forgotten. That's how Joseph felt when the, the wine cup bearer, for, after Joseph interpreting his dream, and he's like, hey, tell, tell Pharaoh that, hey, don't forget me. And you know what? It was a long time before the cupbearer was mindful. He was just forgotten. But yet, in the midst of being forgotten, in the midst of affliction or accusation, in the midst of rejection, guess what? He was blessed, and God took care of him in the midst of the trial. Some say in the midst of the trial. All through Scripture, we see God doing this. And so, today, we're going to take a little bit of a journey, nudge someone and say, are you ready for the journey? <laughs> From the beginning of time, God chose to reveal himself to sinful men through the prophets and to the apostles and through the word of God that we have today. God is always revealing himself to us if, 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 if we start to put ourselves in the place for him to speak to us, for him to show us, for him to guide us. Someone say all in. I like that all in. We'll be doing a small group all in. What it means to be all in. What it means to put your hands to the plow and not look back. Joseph was all in and received the benefits. That's just one story showing us how someone was under trials and God caused them to prosper. God caused them to be blessed. And not only him, but look what God did through him through a whole nation. But we can't forget the trials. The people that the Spirit of God is flowing through Peter to talk to a people under trial is remembering, remember the word, remembering of their great salvation. And it keeps building, keeps building. This gospel message that you have and that we have, that we all have, that we share, is an incredible message that Jesus Christ is the only way. John 14, 6. What does it say? Someone, can, someone say it. I am. No one comes. Yes. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Heavenly Father but through me. That is a declared statement that God said for you and I. So let's take a journey. Let's take a journey. And let's see how the Spirit of God is building on a brick by brick so he can build his people brick by brick. Are you ready? Look at your neighbor and say, ready. I'll be ready if my PowerPoint worked. <laughs> Turn your Bibles to 1 Peter. Chapter 1, verses 10 to 12. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, search intently with the greatest care trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing them. He predicted the suffering of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when you spoke of these things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. I, I want you to understand something. This is powerful, that you're blessed. Do you know that? You know what happens so often is that when we go through these situations in life, someone says something unkind to us, someone says this over here, someone treats us the wrong way, whatever the list may be, and there's a list out there. Can I just tell you that you have a God who has promised what he will do and we're going to see that when God promises something, it's going to happen. Just be at peace. We lose the peace in the midst of the process. Let me say that again. We lose the peace in the midst of the process. Someone say process. Listen, in God, the process is good. When it comes to food, the process is bad. Don't eat the processed food. Someone say amen. All right. So let's look at verse 10. Let's look at verse 10. Concerning this salvation, everything that the Spirit of God has said to this point is talking about this incredible salvation. But he doesn't stop there. 
Because sometimes we forget this incredible gift that we have. We're like, yeah, I'm saved. You don't understand everything in heaven and in earth that has been prepared and done in order for you to get there. It's, it's amazing. It blows me out of the water. Look what it says. The prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, search intently and with the greatest care. Let's look at the first part of that. The prophets who spoke of the grace that was come to you. This is great. When we talk about grace, grace is abused in our world today. It really is. And then there's another side that grace is not understood. Because when we mess up or we do this, we don't feel like, well, God, I don't deserve it. How many have ever gone through something? Maybe you weren't proud of something you did. And then you say, God, I don't deserve your grace. I don't deserve it. Anybody want to be honest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think all the way along the time of life, we've, we've done where we didn't feel like we deserve something. And that's exactly what grace is. Grace is God lavishing upon you because he loves you. He loves you. Say this, God loves me. You see, the problem is, is that we're always seeing life through our perspective and not through the eyes of God. See, grace is given to us even though we don't deserve it. It's being loved, watch this now, when you're unlovable. You you say, me? Unlovable? Come on. Some people do think they're a bag of chips and all that. But in the reality, they'll have a moment where they may not feel so all that in a bag of chips. So can I just let you, let me say this to you. Grace... Is God given his greatest treasure to everyone who doesn't deserve it? And that is you and me. God has given his greatest treasure. What treasure on earth would you think would be great? You know, people think, well, if I had all the gold in the world, that'd be great. No, you would have so many more problems, you wouldn't even, believe, you wouldn't even get it. People say, well, I'd like to try. <laughs> but the reality is I've seen people, so not everybody can handle money. Let me tell you that. Not anybody can handle money. I've seen money ruin people. So whatever treasure, but the treasure God has is a treasure that's going to meet you on the inside, the inside. And when you have that treasure, when you understand God's grace, you live differently. You think differently. You carry a joy because God's grace is on you. Look at your neighbor and say, God's grace is on you. Look at this portion of scripture. Many of you have memorized this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. It is a gift of God. A gift of God. Not by works so that nobody, nobody can boast. It's all God. This is what the next layer that the apostles, that the prophets, and even the angels were all excited about how God was going to provide you and I with salvation. And they were looking into these things and wanted to know, how God, how God are you going to do this? This is amazing. Oh, I get so excited sometimes. I just got to contain myself. The only way, the only way we can enter into relationship with God, and listen, listen, you could say I have a relationship with God, but I would say, yeah, how deep is it? How deep is your relationship? I've been through the the lines too many times, been with people too many times. People say, yeah, me and God are like this. You know, we always want to say me and God are like this, but you've got to be honest with yourself. How close are you to God? How connected are you to God? Because you can only have a relationship with God by the grace of God. And the greater understanding of the grace of God that you have in your life will really dictate how close you feel to God because you will be not led by your own emotions how you feel. You will be led by what God says about you. You see the difference? You see the difference? So this wonderful grace God has given. Now, sometimes, and I've often said this to you, and I'm going to repeat it again because I repeat things for one reason, to get it in you. Because if you hear it enough, if you hear it enough, you might remember it. You might remember it. <laughs> but grace was seen right in Genesis, right from the very beginning. And this is where we're going because this is what he's reminding a, pers- a people who need to be reminded. Do you ever go through something that's really hard? I mean, you just, the wind gets knocked out of you. It's just hard. And then sometimes it's a duration of time. And, and, and it's hard. You have moments of triumph, and then you have moments where, well, you don't feel so on top of things. But when you can remember these things, it's important. Because grace, we have a God of grace. And it's seen in the very beginning. 
It's seen right there in Genesis chapter 3. You see Adam and Eve as taken of the fruit. God says, listen, you can have anything you want in this garden, but just do me a favor. Do me a favor. Well, he probably didn't say do me a favor. (laughs) He probably said, don't touch this tree. He said, well, don't touch this tree. If you touch this tree, you're going to surely die. But what did they do? What did they do? Huh? What did you do? Because you would have done the same thing if someone said, if I said to you, whatever you do, you can touch anything in this room, but don't touch this remote control. Don't touch it. Don't ever you do. And then all of a sudden, someone's like, wow, I wonder why I'm touching the table. I'm near it. I'm really near it. What's going to happen? <gasps> My finger touched it. Oh, nothing happened. Oh, it changes the PowerPoint. <laughs> Listen, sometimes we don't obey God because we have this inner desire of what we want to do. And grace really helps us understand what God has done for us. And this is important for all of us. So how did God react when Adam and Eve sinned? He killed animals to close them. That was an act of grace. Judgment. There was a judgment came, but they did not die. But he gave, he still kept a relationship and he gave them grace. I like to see that how I said grace. <laughs> gave them grace. And all of us need grace. We find this uh, all through the scriptures. Grace is mentioned about the word grace in the Old Testament, I think is mentioned between, depending on your version, between 9 and 11 times. That's probably the max. You're going to find the word grace. But grace is mentioned all through the scriptures, but it's kind of in a different word. The word in the Hebrew is chen. I should say chen. And it simply means favor, favor, kindness. The kindness of the Lord, the favor of the Lord. And if you have the favor, if you have the ken on you, the favor of God, you're like Noah had the ken of the Lord on him. Noah was, it says here, no, but Noah found favor in the Lord. And look what happened to Noah. Because of Noah, guess what? Look at your neighbor and say, hey, we're still here. <laughs> you see, let's look at this one for a minute. In Titus, 11 and 12, it says this. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Did you get the portion? For the grace of God that brings salvation... When you understand what God has done, this is a reminder that God's trying to remind people going through trials. But you and I need that reminder all the time that God's grace, God's favor is with you. Even when you don't, here it goes, ready? Feel it. Can, can someone say amen? amen. Do, you, do you always feel it? I know God is with me. Why? Because I feel it. Oh, I feel the goosebumps. Well, how about if the goosebumps are not there? Do you still feel it? Or do you know it? Because when you know it, it's a difference. Isaiah 30, 18 says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. You see, this is a relationship with you and God. So let's get into our portion of Scripture today. And look at your neighbor and say, That's just foundation. I tell you, this guy is winded. <laughs> See, could you imagine, wait a minute, could you imagine if Isaiah could read one of the Gospels? Could you imagine that? How excited Isaiah would be to actually read the Gospel of John? Because Isaiah is an incredible book. We'll be in Isaiah a little bit today. Let's look at this. Um, let's look at this portion of Scripture here, um, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with greatest care. I want to understand this, and I want you to be challenged on this. I challenge myself on this almost every day, and it goes like this. How hard, God, am I really seeking you? Lord, am I becoming complacent? 
Or am I still aggressively seeking your heart, your ways, your will to do your word? Am I really passionate, God? Am I allowing anything to dell my sensitivities to your spirit, God? I, these are things I ask every day for God to continually to show me. And we should always ask that. Look what happened there. That the prophets, and you're going to see a little bit of the angels, spoke of the grace, but they searched intently with the greatest care, with the greatest care. They were trying to find out what God was doing. God gave them prophecies, but they were like, wow, what does that mean? God gave them words before it was fulfilled. You are a blessed. You got to see all that God did. You got to see how God worked it out. You got to see the end play. Now, you know all about the movie, but now you have to live the life. You see, back then, though, they only had parts, and they heard what God was going to do, but they didn't see it. That's why we're so blessed. We're so blessed to be able to see the full circle of the mercy and the grace of God. It's, it's, it's amazing. Now, the word search means not just to search for something, but the word here in Hebrew, the search means to search and try to possess it, trying to gain it. It's a, it's a search with intensity. It's like... Okay, you just lost your keys to your car, and you are five miles away from home. How hard do you search? Do you search like, well, if I find it, I find it, no big deal. I'll just have a long vacation. Or, or do you search it with the intensity of finding those keys because you like to go home. You like to be a Dorothy. There's no place like home. Huh? Yeah, you're going to search. That's how they were searching the scriptures to try to understand how, how God was going to do this marvelous act. I don't know about you, but I think that you and I need to ask ourselves, how much time do we spend really searching the scriptures? How much time do we really spend with the one we love? How much time do we spend to try to get his heart? I don't care where you are in your maturity with Christ. There is always, always room for improvement. Okay. And if you think you're there, God bless you. God bless you. Past is not there. I still have a lot to learn. And I still want to learn. Because every day, his, new, his mercies are new every morning. Someone say every morning. Every morning. But if you stay in bed, you miss it. <laughs> how many of you ever watched Sherlock Holmes? Come on. How many of you guys like the Sherlock Holmes? Huh? Get that little... Magnifying glass. I was going to bring a giant magnifying glass and go around and see what I could find. Some clues. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes would always figure it out. The scriptures is just like that. We have to be in the scriptures to see what God's saying. And God's always speaking. How many of you ever read your scriptures and one day you read the same passage but you never saw something before you? Oh, I never saw that. I just finished Job uh, two days, three days ago. And oh my word. Did I have revelations and did I, it, it revolutionized my life. I've read Job many, many, many times. This time, though, this time, it was different. It was very different. So let's look at a couple things that we see in the Old Testament showing that God said things to the prophets and they had to figure this out. Here in Genesis chapter 3, most of us know the first prophecy that is mentioned about Jesus Christ is in Genesis 3.15. It says here, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Now, I want you to understand this. This is exactly... What took place? If you understand what it's saying, but see, we can understand it now, but could you imagine when this was written and the prophets and the people of God are looking at this and they're saying, okay, how is this going to happen? What, what does it mean? That, how is God going to perform this? You see, the reality is when Jesus Christ came, he crushed the authority, the power of sin, death, and the grave. The authority that Satan had over you and I because we truly were set apart. We were lost. We were property of the devil. And Jesus Christ came and redeemed us. Say, praise God for the redemption. 
Every single person on the faith of the earth who has not been redeemed does not belong to God, but belongs to Satan because they have not yet been bought, because they have not chosen, chosen to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. It is a choice. It's a volition of a heart, of a will, of each person chooses because choices today are results tomorrow. And our choices are immense when it comes to spiritual choices. What happens in us, what happens in our children, what happens in the next generation. I, 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 I love today's generation, the younger kids, because they teach me to remember. They make me old sometimes, but not you, you're still young. But the reality, they can teach the way they think and the way they see things, sometimes very simply. Very simple. Sometimes it's complicated, but for the most part, they can teach you some things if you can learn together. So we have this portion of Scripture saying that the enemy is going to strike at his heel, and that's exactly the bruising of the heel, the striking the heel. It's, it's like nothing compared to the destruction of a head. The head is the, take off your head, there's no power, there's no life. The head is also known as the authority. The head is authority in Scripture. And the Scripture here is saying, okay, saying you have done this, but this is what's going to happen. And that's why there is a great hatred. And you see this in the book of Revelation with how much the serpent hated the woman in the book of Revelation. Look at this one here. Genesis from to Isaiah. Isaiah, I love the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is so much prophetic in the book of Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus, 650 to 700 years before Jesus came. And it tells us the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and give birth to the son. And this is where this scripture changes everything is these four little words or five. And we'll call him Emmanuel, God with us. How about this one here in Micah 5, 2? But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from of old, ancient of time. This is the very place that Jesus came out of. All of these things the prophets were looking into, trying to understand how God going to do it. How about Isaiah? This, this, this portion is not just to read during Christmas time. This is a great portion that shows you the victory of God, of the plan that he had to save you and I. And if you're watching online and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I'll tell you what, there's no one like the Lord who will show up in your life and show you how strong his hand is. He is a God, and as the scripture says, he has given us a living hope that you can see every day of your life if you go to him, if you make him the first priority of your life. Look at this portion of scripture. It's beautiful. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will perform this. This is exactly what takes place. God is always working out. And all of these prophetic scriptures that the apostles saw, that the prophets saw, and even angels, they were always intently looking into it. But I would say to you, saints, sons and daughters of the high God Most High, can I just say there are so many things in scriptures that God wants to reveal to you, but it can happen. It won't happen unless you endeavor to want to discover the goodness and the greatness of your God. And it's on a daily basis, and that's why every day, every day, it's a gift. It's called a present, and you have to unwrap it. God gives you the gift every day, but you have to do your part and unwrap it. I hear so many times, it's like, well, God should be doing this, and God should be doing this. And I always say to them, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you only doing when you want, or are you doing when everything's great, but you're going to do right, you're going to continue to stay steady, Eddie? Are you going to be no matter what the winds are blowing? God is there. God is there. You got to seek him. Have you played hide and seek? You know, I'm crazy enough to sometimes play a game. Let's play a game right now. Let's hide and seek. <laughs> the one who wins, wins a great prize, right? 
Now, you would play that game to win, especially if the prize was, let's say, brand new car of your choice. A brand new car of my choice? Oh, you got my, you got my interest. How would you play the game? How would you play it? See, if you have an interest in it, usually you'll play with all your heart. I want to just say, saints, have an interest in it. Discover, seek the Lord. Seek his goodness. Seek who he is. Because God wants to do a great work in you and through you. Look what it says now in verse 11 of Peter 1. Trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. They saw all that was being said. Here in Galatians 4.4 is a powerful portion of Scripture. Let's read it, 4 to 7. It says, But when the time had fully come, that's so important, we'll get back to that in a second. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. How many are glad of that one? Full rights. Mm, that should make your liver quiver. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. That's relationship. So you no longer are no longer a slave, but a son. How you, huh? You're not a slave, but a son. Watch this. And since you are a son, God has made you also mm, 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 an heir. An heir. We don't, we don't walk in our lives like we're an heir. Sometimes we walk like this. Kicking the can. Nobody knows. You're an heir. You're an heir to God. Yeah, but, but, Pastor, I have this problem. But, Pastor, I got to... Hey, tell me who doesn't have a problem. And I'll tell you who doesn't have air in his body. Problems come, problems go. But look what this says. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son. Jesus Christ came at that right time to bring the message of the gospel. And he'll do the same thing when you need, have need. He'll come in at that right time. You know, God has perfect timing. I know we don't think so, but God has perfect timing. He will work it out. And when he works it out, he will do a very, very, very good job. Timothy 1, 8, chapter 1, verse 8 says, So do not be ashamed to testify about the Lord or ashamed of me as his prisoner, but join me in the suffering of the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to be holy, not because of anything we have done, because of his purpose and grace. This grace has given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Verse 10. But it has now been revealed through the, the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who was destroyed, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man. Just say, I am blessed. blessed. Now watch this. Now this is going to really mess you up. In the midst of my problems. In the midst of my pain. In the midst of people I don't like. (laughs) That's just being sometimes people lose it because someone's unkind to them. We are to be kind because we have the grace of God, his favor on our life. Freely you receive, freely you give. Let me uh, share a story with you. I was thinking as it talks about how the apostles and how the prophets are looking and trying to discover and about how Jesus was going to suffer and all that it said in Scripture. And they're trying to figure it out. They're just, you know... And, and there's a point to this, and it's going to be very clear in a second. But I was looking through Scripture, and I'm thinking, God, what was an individual who truly was searching the Scriptures and waiting for all of it to take place? And I went right to Simeon. You know Simeon, a Christmas story, that's when we really talk about Simeon. Simeon is this older man who is totally connected to God. And when you look at him in Luke chapter 2, here's some of the descriptions. It says he was righteous. He was devout. Listen, God looks for individual who has a heart for him. And when hearts are for God, 
something happens in the heart. This man was righteous in God's eye, devoted in God's eye, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the Messiah of what the Scriptures had told him. Now, this is important because he was one searching the Scriptures and believing the Scriptures and waiting for the promise. It says this, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And there comes Mary and Joseph into the courts with baby Jesus. Let's take up on this in verse 28. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, you have promised. You now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to the people of Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And then he added, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. I want you to get this, that here is a man who has the promises, but he's still looking. Someone say still looking. So what promises that God says in his word that maybe you're still looking What promises, as you read his word and and God speaks to you, what promises are you still looking at? Because God is a God who fulfills his promises. God is a God who does good and great things because he is good. He is great. He's with you. But you have to just allow him to lead. Allow him to direct your steps one step at a time. But you say, but pastor, right now I feel the wind. I I feel the coldness against me. I feel the opposition. And here what Jesus would say to you, keep walking, my child. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking. Tell your neighbor, keep walking. You see, because see, his Simeon, Simeon had to keep walking. He had the promise. He was looking. He knew he wouldn't die until he saw the Messiah. And one day it came about. You think he had a calendar, said, well, it's going to happen this day. No, all of a sudden one day God just said, okay, go to the temple. It's time. And all of a sudden he said, okay, God, I can die now. I can die. I've seen the the glory of the Lord, the salvation. And he spoke words that the Spirit of God gave. God is going to do the same in your life and my life if we learn to trust him and stay steady, stay faithful, stay solid, continue walking, stay walking. Simeon had to walk, had to walk it out. He had the promise. But he was waiting for the fulfillment of that promise, and he he got to see it. I was looking again, and I went to Isaiah 61. You also find this in Luke chapter 4. It's a powerful portion of Scripture. It's found in, uh, well, I don't think I put it on there. I didn't. Let me read it to you. Jesus goes into the tabernacle, and all of a sudden... um, They give him the book of Isaiah and he opens it up. And this is what he reads. He reads this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim and release the captives and recover the sight of the blind. I feel like preaching right now. I feel like letting loose and casting this aside. (laughs) Mm, Good stuff. He has sent me to proclaim and release to the captives and recover the sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favor of the Lord. But if you go to 61 of Isaiah, it then comes a judgment. But Jesus stopped there because that's yet to come. He stopped there and he closed the book and he gave it back to the tenant and he sat down. And then he said this, today the scriptures has been fulfilled in your hearing. I want you to understand that. The prophets have said what was going to happen, and they're listening to Jesus fulfill the very things that was written 700 years before. God's working. You may think, well, I don't know what God's doing. Yeah, you may not know what God's doing, but God has a plan. Someone say, God has a plan. plan. If you stay in 
his will and in his plan, God's going to work it out. And when he does, when he does, you're going to see his hand. But you've got to stay faithful. You've got to keep walking. You've got to take his promises. And you've got to stop just staying on the premises. You've got to really stay and know who your God is. Learn who your God is. Stay with you. Don't let uh, how you feel or what you think or, or what people say dictate what you're going to do. You know, it's sort of like uh, the Psalms there. Though I walk through the valley of death, I shall fear no evil for thy rod. They staff and they comfort me. That's a man who's going to walk. That's a woman who's going to walk. No matter what pressures are around them, they know who their God is. They have a relationship with God. And that's all God wants from you and I. He just wants a relationship. Look at your neighbor and say, he just wants a relationship. I, I, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that you grasp this. I pray that you would really get deeper and hunger for just his ways and his word and, and stop worrying and stop fretting and stop allowing the enemy of your soul to distract the mind, distract your feet, distract your actions and allow him to lead you so that your, his peace would lavish upon you. Because see, because see, I, I, I so believe this. I, I can't tell you how much it's such a joy because see, he, here's, what, here's what's happening right now is that here's all of these people who are uh, in different difficult times, but you have to realize the prophetic word came out and because the prophetic word they were people who were privileged to know God's word. They, have, they were people of passion because they loved God. And if we can learn to have a passion from the word that's been spoken, it's going to take us through no matter what storm we come into. And the Spirit of God's trying to remind them, listen, look what God has done for you. You may be in the midst of a trial, yes, but look all that God has done. You have to remember who you are. When we forget who we are, we will not know where we're going. You have to have an identity of Christ Jesus in Christ to have a destiny of his glory and mercy and grace. It's so important to understand identity in Christ. Because no matter what comes your way, you'll know your destiny. Because in God, destiny is greatness. Child Heir of the living God with inheritance that does not fade, spoil, or decay. Kept for you. That's heaven inheritance. Watch this now. This is a powerful portion of scripture. And I want to read this. We're going to go into communion in a little bit, but I want to read this. In Isaiah 53 is a portion of scripture that was given to us, once again, 700 years in advance, and how detailed it is. I almost broke every verse down for you of prophetic word, words fulfilled, to show you the incredibleness of God. Most of you will recognize it when you hear it. Verse 3 of Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. Like one who, whom men hid their face. She was despised. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took upon our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like the lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before his shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. Verse 9. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, no, nor was there deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer 
And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servants will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will devour the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for transgressors. Wow. This is written. Could you imagine the prophet writing this and going, wow. Look what God is going to do. Sometimes in our own lives, we don't really recognize what God's doing in our life. We say, you know, God, what, what are you doing, God? What are you doing? But we have to realize God's doing something in your life right now. I know you don't say it, but, but if God did it and all the, uh, the prophets and told them what was going to happen, we saw the fulfillment. If God did it, He's still writing your story. He's still writing your story. Look at your neighbor and say, he's still writing your story. You see, did you notice that that when Satan sinned and all the angels sinned, there was no atonement for them? When they chose their decision as angels and as positions in which they held, God provided no redemption for them. Did you see the amount of grace God given unto us? That he moved everything in heaven and earth to get a relationship with you. Because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Look at verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves. But when they spoke of the things that have now been told by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. He's reminding them of this great plan, and we get discouraged when things don't go our way. Listen, I've been discouraged numerous of times. We're all going to have our days. We're going to have our moments. But guess what? Just make them moments. Moments of learning. Moments of growing. Moments, moment, moments of relying on the one who says, trust me, walk in me. I know you don't understand, but we'll keep walking. Look at your neighbor, tell him, keep walking. You see, we're privileged people because we know the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of the blessing and the grace of God, we should be passionate people. Passionate for the things that God has done. You know, we love God because he first loved us. We need to share the love of God with every single person that comes in our life. And what the Spirit of God is trying to do for people who are under trial is remind them all of what God did of this great salvation that they have experienced. Full of glory and unspeakable joy. It's powerful. It's beautiful. It's really what it's all about. You know, I don't know about you, but, you know, Abraham was an individual that was spoken of what God was about to do, and he just had a promise. But even with the promise, he fearfully, in faith, served the Lord. Just with the promise. How much more do we have? We don't only just have the promise, but we have the person of Jesus Christ living within us. I mean, think about this now. And so if they were living the way they lived with just a promise, how should we be living with the Spirit of God living in us, empower us with a dunamis on high? I think there should be a little difference of our dependence and, and believe in God and the miraculous works that God desires to do in us. But in order for that to take place, we have to open up a chapter, open up our hearts, open up our minds to allow God to say, okay, God, what are you doing now? Help me to understand so that I can be encouraged by all you have done. Because I have so much more than a promise. I have the person of the Holy Spirit now living in me with a fulfillment of the promise of Jesus Christ. That is powerful. That is glorious. That's the most important thing of all things. Galatians 3, 6 says this. Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understanding then that those who believe are children of Abraham. 
The scriptures foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. You want to say praise the Lord? And announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations would be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. I don't know about you, but in about 2000 B.C., Abraham had a promise. And today, we have the person of Jesus Christ and We really have to ask ourselves, when we're having our struggles or trials or suffering or griefs, we have to really ask ourselves all that God has done in your past, just like God had a slew of scriptures to fulfill. God did so much because he loved you. We forget it sometimes because we feel the pressure and the pain more than we remember the promise and the person of Jesus Christ. But when we get our hearts on the right thing, God will change us. God will do a work in us. John 15 says this. My commandment is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I have learned of my Father, I have made made it known unto you. We're going to take communion in a little bit, but before we do, I want to make sure if you're watching online or if you're here today and Jesus is not your Savior, God so much wants you to make sure that you have a relationship with God. Just simply say, God, I've sinned. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You made a mistake. You made some, you did a wrong decision. You sinned. God says this forgiveness, if you just come to him and say, God, forgive me of my sin. I ask you to come into my life. Just ask Jesus right now where you're sitting. Right now, you watch online. Jesus, come into my heart. I see all that you've done in the past. I see the book of Isaiah, 700 years, and you fulfilled it. Incredible. Through the son of Jesus Christ, your son. I accept Jesus as my Savior right now. Forgive me and my son. I choose to walk before you. You are my God. You're my Savior. I declare it today. I'm yours. I'm yours. Just say, I'm yours. That's all God wants. Father, may you just touch each one in a very special way. God, will you help each one understand all that you want to do in them and through them. God, I ask right now that you remind them all that you have done in the past, all that you're doing in the present, and all you will continue to do because you are faithful. So as they hold onto your hand, as they commit their heart to you, God, lead them. And may they feel the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We hope you were encouraged and blessed by this week's message. If you would like to know more about Salem First Assembly, you may email us at salemonassembly at comcast.net. That's Salem, the number one, assembly at comcast.net. Check out our Facebook page at Salem First Assembly or go to our website at salemfirstag.org. We look forward in hearing from you. Join us again next week for another message from Pastor Brian D. Corkum.